Hello, everyone, and welcome to His Health, a show where we'll be tackling the health issues that are most important to men. I'm your host, Rick Malambri, and we're going inside the topics that men of all ages need to know and taking you out of the comfort zone when it comes to those health issues that men don't normally like to discuss. So let's jump right into it. With me today is Dr. Daniel Getz. Dr. Getz is board certified in emergency medicine, and he is the chief medical officer at Providence Sacred Heart Medical Center in Spokane. Today, we'll be discussing cardiac health for men and the information you need to know to keep that lovely organ ticking. The His Health Podcast is brought to you in partnership with Providence and Boston Scientific. And remember, everyone, many of our questions come from our listeners on social media, and we can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and on Instagram under Providence Health Systems. Now, lastly, before we start, I want our listeners to know the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult your healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. All right, so let's get started by welcoming Dr. Getz. Dr. Getz, how are you? Welcome back. Doing great, Rick. Thanks for having me back. How are you doing? Very, very good. Now, we've had you on a previous episode, but for those who don't know, can you give us a little information about yourself and what you do at Providence? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is Dr. Dan Getz. I uh, trained and am board certified in the practice of emergency medicine and now have a leadership role with Providence acting as the chief medical officer for uh, our Spokane Acute Care Hospital, Sacred Heart and Holy Family Hospital in Spokane. Wonderful. Last time we had you on, we talked about nutrition, but today we're going to talk about cardiac health in men specifically. Are there major differences in treating and caring for the heart in men and women, or is it just is it generally the same? You know, caring for the two is generally the same. Certainly the two prevent, present with maybe different signs of heart disease. And we have to understand that the epidemiology is a little bit different. By that, I mean the age of onset. We see men and women develop heart disease. Um, risk factors, though, we're tar- we see really among both are very, very similar. And the treatment when somebody's developed cardiac disease um, is also identical. Gotcha. And now we know there are many different heart conditions, but what condition is most commonly diagnosed in men? Is there uh, any demographic that's most affected by heart disease? No, men are still winning that race, unfortunately. You know, they're, they're still having heart disease at a higher incidence. And, and our goal is not to have either men or women develop heart disease. But we are seeing women develop heart disease um, at younger uh, ages, too. And that has to do with women adopting some of the bad habits uh, that men have had probably in higher degree. Um, but it's it's a disease that certainly affects uh, genders um, across the spectrum and, and can have pretty horrific results down the road if we don't catch it early or adopt those behaviors to prevent the development of heart disease. I gotcha. And speaking of men winning that race, what what are the causes? Like, why why do we see more heart conditions heart conditions happening in men rather than women? Well, so men are a little bit. Uh, prone to develop high blood pressure in, in frequencies much higher than women. That has a little bit to do with hormonally how we are with testosterone versus estrogen. But also what we tend to see in men, we, we have a little bit higher rates of obesity. We still have higher rates of tobacco use, higher rates of alcohol use. Um, men tend to still eat a little bit worse of a diet. Um, and that blood pressure, having higher rates of high blood pressure uh, and higher rates of diabetes also all add up to having higher risk or incidence of heart disease. And do you find a lot of these on top of these issues? Uh, generally, are they genetic too? Or I always hear, you know, heart disease runs in the family. Um, what What are your thoughts on that? There's a, there's a huge genetic component to heart disease. 
disease. Um, but, you know, again, behaviors as well as genetic risk factors are, are both very, very important. And if you have a patient who has a very strong history of heart disease, say, you know, he says, oh, my father and my grandfather both had heart attacks in their 40s. That's, that's a big red flag. Mm-hmm. When you get those type of patients and they also are um, engaged in those behaviors that really increase the risk of developing that smoking, for example, that's just pouring pouring gasoline on the fire. Those are the patients that we really have to encourage lifestyle modifications to reduce the development of premature coronary artery disease and make sure that we have that in the back of our mind when we're seeing them that, oh, this is a patient that is at higher risk. That being said, you can certainly have patients who have zero risk factors for developing heart disease when you look at their family history, but develop premature heart disease as a result of sedentary lifestyle, um, excessive alcohol consumption, Mm-hmm. Eating just the wrong things, high cholesterol, diabetes, huge risk factor for development of premature coronary artery disease. Well, with all that said, what do you, do you have a general age where you recommend that men start thinking about uh, their heart and their lifestyle and how it could affect them? Well, you know, that's, that's a great question. And we're really trying to promote awareness younger and younger. Really, the time that we need to start thinking about heart disease is when we enter adulthood you start making those choices in diet and exercise and lifestyle that can develop heart disease down the road, the sooner you can adopt a healthy lifestyle, the greater the, the propensity you have to live many years without having to worry about that disease. When we tend to see men developing symptoms related to premature coronary artery disease, that's usually in their 40s. And there's not a great consensus yet on what counts as premature coronary artery disease, but usually it's less than 50 in males um, and, and less than 55 in Males. But most patients that develop that, if you really sit down and listen to them, will endorse symptoms concerning for the development of heart disease before they've had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And what are the first things that you suggest starting or stopping to improve heart health? What are some of the major risk factors? You know, smoking, nobody should smoke. Smoking is terrible for your heart, terrible Absolutely. for your brain. Um, it's just really one of those things. If you can imagine every time you smoke a cigarette, you're stuffing it in a blood vessel. Just there's no reason for anybody to smoke. And I include vaping, like just stop using nicotine altogether. Um, secondly, if you, you you have an issue with alcohol consumption, if mm-hmm. you drink alcohol beyond what's recommended, which is using one drink in females and two drinks in males, um, that's a big risk factor for development of early coronary artery disease. Um, if you have hypertension, not getting that treated, high blood pressure, not getting blood pressure treated, um, is a big risk factor for developing stroke and heart attack. And, and we call hypertension or high blood pressure the silent killer, not because it sneaks up on you and, and strangles you in your sleep like a ninja. It's because it takes years and years and years for you to start seeing those things down the road that it's harmed. And the sooner we can intervene in that, the, the, the easier it is for us to prevent those horrible conditions, including stroke and heart attack. Um, you know, also exercise and diet and sleep all integrated into heart health and brain health. And the sooner we can start adopting those behaviors, the sooner we can put someone on a a pathway to health. Um, And it's never too late to start. You certainly have irreparable damage, but Mm -hmm. the second you make those changes, you'll start seeing benefit in your overall cardiovascular health. So when you talk about hypertension and and, uh, high blood pressure and things like that, what are the common symptoms and signs of uh, that we would notice that are, are might be a cause of underlying heart disease or are there some lesser known ones? 
you know, it's, it's some of these can be so subtle that you won't notice until you've had somebody really take your vital signs and do some lab work. So we really want to make sure that you're getting in to see your, your primary care provider uh, at least annually um, so that we can catch on some of those keys. But some of them are very, very subtle. Maybe it's exercise capacity. Hey, walking up the stairs is harder than I remember it being. Um, you know, just getting short of breath with mild exercise or having decreased exercise capacity can be uh, a concerning sign. Some people may feel dizzy or lightheaded, or they can have palpitations where they feel like their heart is racing or fluttering. That can be a concerning sign for things that, that we need to evaluate. Um, also, you can see people that just, um, you know, sexual performance. They have a hard time developing or obtaining an erection when they want to be intimate with their significant other. That can be a concerning sign that we want to work up more. Um, but really just not feeling well in general. Women are very uh, interesting in how they can present with symptoms of heart attack compared to men. Sometimes they have no symptoms of chest pain. Maybe they come in and their jaw ache a little bit, or maybe they're a little bit short of breath, or they're just fatigued and they have no energy. If something just doesn't feel right, we certainly encourage you to be seen immediately. And as an emergency physician, if you're having chest pain or you're having something that's really concerning, hey, I'm really short of breath, we want to see you ASAP. Don't go to bed and go see your primary care the next day. If you're having a heart attack, the sooner we can address that blockage, open that heart back up, the blood flow, we can minimize the damage. Once that vessel's blocked and it goes a certain time, that part of the heart dies. It becomes scar tissue. You can't get that back. Same applies to stroke in the brain. Yeah, that's why it's so important to see a doctor beforehand and prevent do preventative medicine and not always trying to cure something that you already are feeling, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to heart health, I, I think most people probably are worried about heart attacks and what they what they're like can you break down a heart attack for us and what's happening yeah absolutely so if you think about heart disease or cardiovascular disease in, in general which includes stroke and, and peripheral vascular disease disease of the blood vessels and the extremities etc it's really a plumbing issue so over time you can have plaque that builds up on inside of the blood vessels which uh similar to scale building up of pipes if you have hard water Mm -hmm. Over time, that high cholesterol, that lipids that deposit on the inside of blood vessels will narrow the flow of blood through that vessel. And eventually you can reach a point where you develop critical stenosis. You're no longer able to get enough blood past that tight point to supply the oxygen to the organ that needs it. So the heart, for example, if you have a critically narrow blood vessel in the heart, downstream, that part of the heart can no longer get enough blood to stay healthy. And we see that as you exercise, as you move, your heart has to has to pump more vigorously. And mm -hmm. in turn, it needs it needs more oxygen to do so. And that's why we tend to see people present with cardiovascular symptoms or heart symptoms in heart attack after exertion. You know, the classic example is mowing your lawn or shoveling the snow off the driveway in the winter as precipitating these events. But these events generally take years in the making. We do have people that have heart attacks where they have what we call a thrombotic event, where you can develop a blood clot somewhere in the body that gets pushed downstream and then in turn clogs up a vessel that's not been narrowed. So there's really two mechanisms to that. Wow. Now, as we get into the prevention of, of these situations, what are the common cardiac screenings that men should be getting and at what age should they get them? You know, I think the push in primary care is really start asking these questions earlier and earlier um, and, and helping increase awareness of symptoms of concern. Annually, when you go in to see your doctor, even as a 30-year-old, we're certainly going to listen to your heart and lungs and we're going to do uh, 
all the review assistant questions that we want to, you know, make sure, are you having any chest pain? Are you having any shortness of breath, any lightheadedness? As you get into your 40s, primary care physicians are more aware of your risk. And that's going to include them evaluating your family history. You have a significant risk factor on either side of the family that could set you up for the development of early heart disease. That's going to be part of the screening. Usually in your at 50 and 55 for females, we're, we're listening a little bit more acutely. And if you're having symptoms of concern, um, even mild symptoms, that's when your physician or your advanced practice clinician is going to consider, do I need to send you off for a stress test? Should I get a screening EKG? Um, you know, now we're doing low dose, low dose radiation coronary artery CT scans where you can get a really nice picture in, in youngish people of their blood vessels to ascertain risk. So that's really going to be up to the discretion of your provider listening to the symptoms that you're experiencing. Gotcha. Now this kind of ties into our, our nutrition episode that we did previously. But when it comes to strengthening my heart muscle, which is more important, a diet or exercise? And are there any exercises you would recommend when to get when your heart is healthy after years of neglect? You know, so diet and exercise equally important in um, maintaining heart health. And so, you know, the exercise that we do, the physical exercise helps maintain your heart's ability to pump. And so getting used to keeping your your heart and your lungs performing vigorous activity helps maintain that. Mm -hmm. The blood vessels, which are those pipes that carry blood, big part of that also has to do with diet. So making the right choice in foods, not smoking, making sure that you're moderating your alcohol use will all help keep those pipes from clogging. Um, and it's really that walking that balance between the two. Now, if you have, if you're new to exercising and you want to kind of introduce yourself gradually, walking is a great exercise. If you can walk just on a gentle stroll down your block to start with and then increasing the mileage, what we're finding now, especially in people as we age, we're not able to tolerate that um, high impact activity as well. It's just hard on our, on our joints. So we have to be respectful of those joints. And although you may not be burning as many calories per hour as you would doing high impact activity, we're finding if you can walk at a moderate pace, meaning that's a little bit challenging for you to have a discussion with somebody if you're walking with them, that's a really good pace of exercise to, to get the right uh, amount of um, strain on your heart to, to help encourage cardiovascular health. So I think walking is really one of those activities. It's just great for life in general. It helps your core musculature. It helps those big muscle groups that help you get out of a chair and pick yourself up off of the ground if you fall. Um, so that would be a good way to reintroduce yourself. And eventually as, as you gain fitness and you're able to maybe incorporating um, some low impact resistance training. And so body weight exercises um, to help make sure you're getting enough strain on your glutes and your core musculature, because really we need to be able to move our body safely in space. And, and the more you can stress those muscles that maintain your posture, the safer you're going to be walking upstairs when you're old or walking downstairs when you're old, or even picking up something off the ground that you drop. Mm -hmm. So a good balance of cardio exercise and strength training. Absolutely. We'll be right back with more on cardiac health for men right after this short break.
His Health is back with our guest, Dr. Getz, and we're discussing cardiac health for men. How important is good health for your heart, for sexual activity as we age? Incredibly important. Um, that peripheral vascular disease, if you think of um, the cardiovascular system, again, as those pipes that deliver blood to end organs, um, the penis is a perfect example. We often see erectile dysfunction in men uh, present as an early risk factor for the development of cardiovascular disease. So those small blood vessels that deliver blood to the penis, no different than those small blood vessels that deliver blood to the heart or the brain. Now, erectile dysfunction can certainly also be um, modulated by things like hormonal levels, lower testosterone, but we really have to look at patients that have risk factors, including smoking and family history. If they present with erectile dysfunction, um, that they, this could be a warning sign for cardiovascular risk. Also, um, you know, stamina, endurance, strength, um, you know, sex is, it's a type of exercise. Um, yeah. It's often good for your heart. Um, and so, you know, if you're having a hard time maintaining the postures or the, the, the uh, enough endurance to, to perform that activity, it's probably a sign that, yeah, you really need to make some lifestyle changes and maybe start incorporating gentle exercise and resistance training so you can keep, keep doing that activity that, that most people really enjoy. All right. What are the best and worst kind of diet to follow for your heart health? You know, the, the worst type of diet is um, you think a high salt, high fat, uh, low fiber, um, and, and uh, lots of carbohydrates, refined sugars. Um, you know, the, the faster a food is to make at a restaurant, probably the least healthy it is for you. So we really want to stick to those type of foods that, that are minimally processed and don't have a lot of additives to them. So the longer it takes your gut to break down food into its constituent macros, so breaking it down into fats, breaking it down into carbohydrates, breaking it down into protein, the better it is for you. So you don't get that big push of insulin, that big hit of glucose. When you start combining fat and glucose and salt together, it really is kind of the, the worst thing you can eat for yourself. The vegetables great for you, protein in, in moderation, the right type of proteins, getting the right type of omega fats in your diet, the healthy fats. And fats are very important. You gotta get, get enough fat in your diet. We want you to eat the right type of fat. And the, the heavily saturated um, processed fats that you tend to see in fast foods, um, really bad for you. Mm -hmm. How has technology changed in the cardiac care in recent years? Are you, do you see heart issues are more treatable than they used to be? And are people surviving heart attacks more than in previous years? Yeah, you know, we've, we've made great strides, I think, technologically in, in things that we can do to address um, structural issues in the heart, whether it's valve disease, we can replace valves in really interesting ways. Also, what we found is that we can also um, detect those blockages in the heart more elegantly and address those earlier on. And if we can address a blockage, what we find is that you don't have that damage to the heart downstream. The second a blood vessel is blocked, that's when you have damage to the target organ. Uh, and that part of the heart dies, that part of the brain dies. So if we can detect it earlier and then prevent it from happening, people do much better. Now, Dr. Guess, is there anything else you'd like to let our audience know about heart health in men and that we haven't covered? You know, I think it's just, just a recap of, of letting men know it's never too early to start thinking about your heart health. Those choices that we make in our 20s and 30s can dramatically 
augment our risk for developing heart disease in our 40s, 50s, and on. So making the right choices from the standpoint of exercise and diet are key. Making sure that you're not caught up in habits that can really just wreak havoc on your heart, including smoking or excessive alcohol use. Making sure that you're exercising regularly, getting good sleep, working on stress reduction, also being aware of what your family history contains from the standpoint of heart disease. Um, also want to make sure that, that we understand if we have symptoms, if you're having chest pain, if you're feeling short of breath, if you're not feeling well, don't wait. Call 911, get to an emergency department, let us take a look at you and make sure that you're not having a heart attack. Um, I think, you know, from a men's health standpoint, cardiovascular health mirrors overall health. And if you're making the right decisions in life, um, to impact overall general health, that's going to also minimize your risk of developing heart disease and stroke. All right. Lastly, we have a couple of social questions from some of our listeners. Mark from Twitter asks, what is the number one food I should eat to improve my heart health? And what is the number one to avoid? Yeah, that's a great question. There is no number one food. I think it's it's a combination of multiple healthy foods, having the right combination of, of vegetables, getting the right types of protein, lean protein, um, making sure that you're not drinking too much. Um, and, and, and being aware there are certain foods, those superfoods that you mentioned earlier, Rick, uh, you know, getting the right type of omegas, uh, making sure that you're you're eating vegetables that are they're high in antioxidants um, will really help set you up to limit your your ability to develop heart disease down the road. And then, you know. What's the number one to avoid? It's the combination of these things that we see. So foods that are high in fat, high in salt, um, and high in carbohydrates, kind of that fast food combination, um, that's that's pretty similar to smoking and its ability to, to accelerate your risk of developing coronary artery disease. So if we can we can limit our exposure to those, knowing that they, they taste really good, and I certainly eat them on occasion, but eating them in moderation and making sure that we're getting enough physical activity in the day, optimizing our sleep, that'll help minimize the risk from those foods. Right. Once again, it comes back to just finding the right balance. Yes, absolutely. Now, Xander from Instagram asks, and this is something I would like to know too, is red wine really good for your heart? So yes and no. <laughs> and so, <there's, laughs> so, so alcohol is really, really tricky um, because with alcohol, there's certainly people that have genetic risk for developing alcohol abuse. And if you have risk factors for alcohol, uh, abuse, or if you have a problematic history of drinking, you're best off not touching the stuff because mm -hmm. that not only increases your risk for development of heart disease, but also increases your risk for cancer and all kinds of things. So if you're able to moderate this, making sure that you don't exceed two drinks a day in males and one drink a day for females, then yeah, it does have some cardiovascular benefit, but the research out there is mixed and that we're also seeing you know, risk of certain cancers, esophageal cancers, colon cancers, all kinds of cancers increase um, with alcohol consumption, so you have to weigh that. Uh, I look at alcohol as something just like those salty, fatty foods, right? I like, I like how it makes me feel in moderation, um, and I don't have problems controlling it. So it's one of those things that I use responsibly. But if you don't use it responsibly, I think the risks certainly outweigh the benefits. Hundred percent. Now we've kind of touched on this previous in this episode, but Tom from Facebook asks. If my dad or my grandpa both suffered from heart attacks, should I be screened for heart conditions earlier than usual? Another great question. I, you know, I think the question is how old were, were dad and grandpa when they had the heart attacks? If they were in their 80s, well, that's, that's kind of when we expect 
men to have heart attacks is kind of the normal spectrum. And, you know, something's going to get us at some point. We all age and then something knocks us off. And cardiovascular disease tends to be one of those. Now, if they had premature coronary artery disease, say they had, you know, early 50s or 40s, they had those heart attacks, then absolutely that's something that you need to discuss with your primary care provider. And that's something that they're going to keep in their mind as they do further risk assessments. But the most important piece, the thing to really remember if you have that family history is that it's imperative that you start following those activities or following those guidelines that decrease your risk of developing heart disease. So appropriate diet, appropriate exercise, getting the right amount of sleep, um, making sure that you're limiting your stress and really taking care of your overall health. That's the most that you can do to prevent development of heart disease. And your physician's also gonna assess your metabolic panel, look at your lipid panel, see is there any medications that we can add um, you know, treating blood pressure is essential in people with risk factors for cardiac disease. That's going to decrease your likelihood. Treating excessive levels of cholesterol, lipids, is going to be essential for reducing development of cardiac disease. So it's a partnership. It's a collaboration with your physician or advanced practice clinician, as well as making those decisions, put setting yourself up for success. Wonderful. Well, Dr. Getz, it's been a pleasure having you on again, and thank you for sharing your plethora of knowledge with us, and hopefully we'll see you again soon. Absolutely, Rick. Thanks for having me. It was great. Once again, I'd like to thank Dr. Getz for joining us today on His Health, our friends at Boston Scientific for sponsoring the show, and to everyone for listening and sending in your questions. We look forward to continuing the conversation on men's health with more experts from Providence in future episodes. So make sure to listen to all of our shows on Dash Radio under Future of Health Radio or on your favorite podcast platform. And follow us on social media where we can be found on Twitter and Facebook at Providence and Instagram under Providence Health Systems. To learn more about our mission, programs, and services, go to providence.org. Thank you for listening, and be healthy.